Hello again, this is Michelle Metz, an urban educator in music in a district with a very high population of ELL kiddos. And this is my fifth podcast in a series of five to respond to a report made by Barry McLaughlin for the University of California, Santa Cruz in 1992, entitled Myths and Misconceptions About Second Language Learning, What Every Teacher Needs to Unlearn. And today I'm going to explore McLaughlin's myth number five, all children learn a second language in the same way. So according to McLaughlin, most likely if asked, teachers would not admit that they think all children learn a second language in the same way or at the same rate. Yet this seems to be the assumption underlying a great deal of practice, which I'm sure that is definitely provable. There are two issues here. The first relates to differences among linguistically and culturally diverse groups, and the second to differences among learners within these groups. So research by cultural indicates that mainstream American families and the families of many children from, from minority cultural backgrounds have different ways of talking. Well, those of us who, you know, again, I'm grateful that I have been in this program learning about ESL, and one of the components was learning about cultures and you know, in America, we are very culture centric. We think that the way we think is the only way that people in the world think. And that is not true at all. And I'm glad that um, our author has touched on this. So mainstream children are accustomed to an analytic style in which the truth of specific arguments is deduced from general propositions. Many children from culturally diverse groups are accustomed to an inductive style of talking in which fundamental assumptions must be inferred from a series of concrete statements. So just alone, cultural differences in the way that we communicate, we can't assume that our students are all learning in the same way because they're coming from different cultural and familial backgrounds. Um, we need to take into account that another culture may process completely differently from what we are accustomed to which you know, I think is important to understand, but a lot of people do not realize. And our author continues, furthermore, there are social class differences. In urban centers of literate, technologically advanced societies, middle-class parents teach their children through language. Instructions are given verbally from a very young age. And that's true not only of families in an American setting, but in schools, constant directions and instructions. So he continues on this contrast to the experience of immigrant children from less technologically advanced, non-urbanized societies. Traditionally, teaching is in such cultures is carried out primarily through non-verbal means. Technical skills such as cooking, driving a car or building a house are learned through observation, supervised participation and self-initiated repetition. Again, they're not following directions, they are observing. So different cultures can dictate a very different way of thinking and a way of life that we are not accustomed to. Some children in some cultures are more accustomed to learning from peers than from adults. From their earliest years, they were cared for and taught by older siblings and cousins. They learned to be quiet in the presence of adults and had little experience interacting with them. So again, in American education, we are so teacher centric. A lot of us are not necessarily collaborative or peer. We don't necessarily, um, as American educators, always teach in peer groups. A lot of us are still in you know, that mode of lecture. So when they enter school, they're more likely to pay attention to what their peers are doing than what their teacher is saying. So that makes a lot of sense. He continues, besides the dif these differences among cultural groups, there are also differences within groups in how children react to school and learn. 
Some children are outgoing and sociable and learn the new second language quickly because they want to be like their English speaking peers. They do not worry about mistakes, but use limited resources to generate input from native speakers. Other children are shy and quiet. Again, I spoke a couple episodes ago about how personality is such a huge factor in language acquisition. They learn by listening and by attending to what is happening and being said around them. They say little for fear of making a mistake. So McLaughlin asks us the question, what does this mean for the teacher? Teachers need to be aware of cultural and individual differences in learner styles. Many culturally and linguistically diverse children enter school with cognitive and social norms that differ from those that govern the mainstream classroom. And again, I can't believe that I've been in education this long. My eyes are finally open. So I know that many colleagues and fellow teachers don't really have that light bulb on yet. They don't realize how different cultures are going to affect so many different factors of life. So he continues on, effective instruction for children from culturally diverse backgrounds requires a variety of instructional activities. For example, small group work, cooperative learning, peer tutoring, again, those kids that work well with a peer rather than learning from the teacher, individualized interaction and other strategies that take the children's diversity of experience into account. What do you think about that? I think that's great. He adds, finally, teachers need to be aware of how child's experiences in the home and in the home culture affect their values, their patterns of language use, and their interpersonal style. So effective education of children from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds affirms the values. I love this idea, affirms the values of the home culture. Rather than treating our multicultural students like different is bad, let's be inclusive. Let's educate the rest of the class and ourselves. I love that. So effective education affirms the values of home culture and develops in children a positive emotional attitude towards their background. Rather than feeling embarrassed and being different, let's celebrate our differences. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful point of view. And um, in conclusion, this is coming from me. The best thing we can do is make the effort as educators to find out as much as we can about the child. It is our job to be detectives. We need to learn about you know, the child's background, their history, their family, the culture that their family is in. Learn about who their family members that they're residing with are. There's so many things that we can do to really figure out who a kid is to the best of our ability. So when we do that, we find a way to respect them as individuals and we respect them even though they might operate differently in the world from the way that we operate. So this is such a great um, opportunity for us as educators, not only to reach these children, but to educate the rest of our students as to different ways of thinking. Cause you know, God forbid we wait till college to figure that out. I think I'm one of those people um, that I didn't really see how different people were until I was in a vastly more diverse situation. So this is fantastic. So thank you so much for listening. This again, episode five of five myths, five, all children learn a second language in the same way. Well, obviously they don't. And as educators, we need to strive to reach those individuals with that myriad of factors that comes into play in language acquisition. Thanks for listening.